Well, good morning, church. Happy New Year. Yeah, man. It just feels good. We're in 2022. Finally, that's crazy, man. I'm feeling a little bit old, but it's good, man. 2022, and listen, there's no place I'd rather be kicking off this year than with you. No place I'd rather be than right here in God's house. And I got to tell you, I was standing back there while we were doing that last song, and y'all sound good singing this morning, man. Give yourself a little round of applause, man. Because heaven is rejoicing with you. Heaven's rejoicing with you. Listen, it is good to be here. It's good to be with you. Good to have so many of you joining us here in person today. Good to have so many of you joining us online today. If you're newer to us, uh, we're really excited that you're with us. Um, my name's Fitz. I'm the lead minister here. And uh, man, I love this place. I love these people. I love this church. And I love kicking off 2022 with you. Now, a few weeks ago, uh, maybe several weeks ago, my wife and one of my daughters and I, decided to do something kind of fun and do a Bob Ross paint night at home. And have you ever done a Bob Ross paint night? You remember Bob Ross? This guy, the dude with the crazy hair, the soothing voice, the master of paint. So we watched one of his episodes and we decided to do what he was doing up there, kind of, right? Um, so we're trying to follow along and they can paint. I'm not so good at it. It was a fun night. And let me tell you, if you have never done that, it was therapeutic It was fun, it was relaxing, because we didn't take ourselves too seriously. It was just a lot of laughs and a lot of fun. So I recommend doing a Bob Ross paint night at home with some friends or family. Just make sure you have the right canvas, make sure you have the right paints, and make sure you have a lot of patience for yourself if you are not a natural artist. Now, as I watched Bob and I listened to his soft, soothing voice, I couldn't help but be blown away by how this guy could take a blank canvas like this and within a matter of minutes turn it into a masterpiece like this. I'm mean, the guy did that in like 20 some minutes. It's crazy, right? That is not mine, by the way. That's not what mine looks like. But Bob Ross was so, so good. You laugh. Man, that's cool. That's just, that hurts. Now, friend, this next year for us, is kind of a blank canvas for us. 2022 is a blank slate. Now, some of you are thinking, wait, wait, wait. I already got work. I already have vacation plans. I already got stuff on the counter. I already got obligations. True. But some of those things are movable. Some of those things are changeable. This coming year for you, for me, for all of us is a blank canvas. So friend, what will you allow your 22 to look like? What are you going to allow God to paint in your life in the coming year? What do you want your year to look like? What do you want your life to look like a year from now? Now, most of, all, most of us, we've already given some thought to that. This time of year, most of us are already thinking, at least giving some passing thought to some things we'd like to change or add or do differently, some things that need to be improved in our lives, maybe lose some weight and add some muscle, maybe read more and watch less, spend more time with family and less time at work, travel farther, stay longer, right? Maybe spend a little more or spend a little less money, right? Improve our income, decrease our debt. Those are all really good things. But of all the good things, what are the best things you're gonna do this coming year? What are you gonna do with your life that will last, that will really make an impact on eternity? You know, we need to give some thought to that. Do you have, some, do you have a picture of who you wanna be, of what you want your life to look like? Because getting a picture 
for the blank canvas is important. We need vision. We need direction. Without it, we're stuck. You know, Bob Ross never just approached a blank canvas and just started haphazardly throwing paint on there. He had an idea. He always had a photograph that a viewer had sent in to say, hey, paint this landscape. Or he had been to places and he had sat there at the base of the mountain. He had sat beside the beautiful rivers. He had sat under the shade of a happy little tree. And then he had the picture in his mind. He knew where he was going. And friend, we need to know where we're going. Because the reality is, if we don't have a vision, and if we don't declare declare where we want to go, then the reality is we'll end up in places we never intend to be. And if we don't declare who we intend to be, we'll end up as people that we never intended to be. So we gotta know where we're going and how to get there. When the apostle Paul would pray for other people, Paul was often casting a vision, painting a picture, if you will, for a preferred future for those people and asking God to help make it happen, giving them direction on who they could be, maybe who they should be. Let's listen into one of the prayers Paul prayed for the believers at the church in Ephesus. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, God may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love, that surpasses knowledge. I love that. To know something that's beyond knowing. It surpasses knowledge, but Paul says, I want you to try and grasp it. I want you to seek after that. I want you to pursue the thing that you know you'll never get and just understand it more and more and more. To know the love that can't be known fully. So that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. According to his power that's at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. I love what Paul says at the end. To our God who can do more than we ask or imagine. Imagine. I like that word because I'm a dreamer. That's a vision word. What do you imagine? But I want to invite you this morning to imagine with me. Imagine what our lives might look like a year from now if we allow God to use his paintbrush on our lives. What might God paint for us? What might the picture look like to have stronger faith and deeper love, to understand more and more the love of God, to allow his life, his power, his strength to be at work in us fully and completely. As Paul prayed, that we would be filled with the full measure of God, that God would fill us up with himself. What would that look like in your life, in my life? You know, for us to do that means we gotta give God permission to paint on the canvas of our lives and we gotta partner with him And that means just like a painter would have a palette, we have a palette of some spiritual practices, some spiritual habits that we would put into our lives to take the paint of God's work and allow it to color in our lives. Now, for some of you, that's nothing new. You've already been doing it. Sometimes we come to this time of year and we talk about things that we need to do in the coming year. You know, the thing that strikes me most is that it's rarely anything new. 
right? Each year, I think, I need to work on my health and I need to exercise maybe a little bit more. I say that every single year. So it's not that I'm saying something that I don't already know. It's that I need to act upon the information that I already have. I need to do what I already know. Same is true for us spiritually. So often the things we talk of are the things we already know. We just need to keep doing it or start doing it or increase how we're doing it. And so let's take a look at some of those spiritual practices, some of those metaphorical spiritual paints that God might use to color in the canvas of our lives. The first one is no surprise to anybody. It's engaging with the Bible. But what would it look like if in the coming year, in 2022, I guess it's not the coming year, the year has come, but throughout this year, what would it look like if we allowed God's word to be a priority in our lives? We allowed God's word, the Bible, to shape our thoughts and our attitudes, our actions, to shape our love, to transform us. Paul writes to the church at Rome. He says, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Notice this word transformed. It doesn't mean be informed. It doesn't just mean be inspired. It doesn't mean just be entertained. It means be changed. So he says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. Tune out all the things of this world and tune into God and allow God to change you by the renewing of your mind. You know how that happens? That happens by engaging God's word, allowing his word to be the authority in our lives. And then acting obediently to what we encounter in his word, to do Bible things in Bible ways. Sometimes the most difficult thing for us is to do what the Bible would instruct us to do. Because sometimes we want to compromise God's word. Sometimes we want to believe that God's word doesn't actually say what it says. Because it means we've got to get uncomfortable. It means we've got to change something about ourselves. It means I might have to give a little more or a little differently. It means I might have to serve that person I don't really like. It means I might have to reconcile with somebody who I'd just rather avoid. It means all kinds of things for us. But what would happen if we actually engaged with God's word and allowed it to shape our lives and direct us, to direct us? You know, the psalmist says that God's word is a lamp for our feet. It's a light to our path. Without God's word, we wander aimlessly. We're just throwing paint on a canvas without any real direction of where it would take us. But God's word is a lamp. It guides us. It directs us. And so we need to surrender to it as the authority. Now, the things we're going to talk about today are private practices. They're they're things for us. They're personal to us. The things that we would do as individuals. But all these things also apply to us as a church collectively because that's who we are. Our faith is never intended to be lived out just us alone. It's always us in community. That's the picture we have in scripture. That's what church means. And so as a church, I want you to know that we are never going to neglect nor water down God's word. It is our foundation. It is the truth upon which we stake our lives and our faith, and we will hold to it, and we will never compromise it. And when we teach God's word, we will take our cue from Jesus and Paul and Peter and other leaders in the early church, and we will teach as they did, teaching with practical application to help us all live lives of obedience that bring glory to God. Not just giving information, but application. What do we need to do with God's word? It's not just knowing it, it's living it and allowing it to transform us, to change us. And we want to equip you to connect God's word to your daily life, to see where God's word intersects in your life regularly, all the time. You know, Jesus himself loved to tell stories. And the reason why is because when he taught and he told stories, he knew we don't just live by simple 
truth statements. We are a storied people. Life is a story. My dad was a mathematician, and my dad loved math, brilliant mathematician. It was annoying as a student because my dad was also friends with the math teachers at my school, so I could never get away with anything, and I could never just snuff through a test. My dad always knew what was going on in the math class, and my dad loved math. I didn't. (laughs) I loved other things. But my dad would always tell me, Create a story to go with the problem. Of all the math problems my dad loved, they were the ones that most of us hate. They were the story problems. Because my dad would say, you're never walking down the street and you stumble over an algebraic equation. You stumble over a story that requires you to know algebra to resolve it. I said, no, when I'm walking down the street, I, I don't stumble over any math. I try to avoid it as best I can. You know, <laughs> My dad would always try and back, right? But he said, life is a story. Even the mathematician in my life was, It's storied. We are storied people. We don't just have random, isolated truth statements. We live story. And Jesus knew that, so he used stories all the time. He used colorful stories where the people weren't always the most wholesome. The plot line wasn't always the most resolved and the most, you know, happy. He would use colorful stories, and he leveraged that. And it was always to help people remember the truth that he wanted them to grasp onto. And so we will do the same, and we leverage story here at OCC because we live story. That's what life is. And so we will kick off next week a new series, one that we're bringing back from last year, one that a lot of you said you love. We're coming back to at the movies because the most powerful storytelling medium in our time is film. And we want to leverage film and engage and find the intersection between the real world and God's word and help equip you to see where faith and film intersect, where faith and daily life intersect, where God's word intersects with everything around us. And so we'll spend some time exploring some movies and equipping you to see how you can take something as seemingly unspiritual as a movie and see God's thumbprint on the entirety of his creation and find the place to speak God's truth into your life and to others through everything you encounter. So we'll leverage the power of story next week. And the weeks after as well. Now, another one of the colors on the spiritual palette is prayer. When we have these spiritual colors that will shade our lives, prayer. And that's no surprise to anyone, right? We want to be people who pray. Paul didn't just pray for the Ephesians. He also encouraged the Ephesians to pray for themselves. He says, pray in the spirit on all occasions. I love that. Not some occasions, but all occasions. When you're happy, when you're sad, when things are good, when they're bad... Pray when you have a lot of money. Pray when the bank account looks empty and you need to trust God a little bit more for it. Pray when you're sick. Pray when you're well. Pray when the news is good. Pray when the news is devastating. Pray all the time on all occasions. Pray when you're at the end of it all and pray when you think you got it all together. It says, and pray with all kinds of prayers and requests. So our prayers should look varied and they should be happening often. We should be people where prayer is just rolling off of us regularly. Praying all kinds of prayers and requests. Praying the laments and the cries and the, and the sadness to God. Crying for his help and his, and his comfort. Asking for forgiveness. Celebrating when we see things go well. Praising him for who he is and what he's done and how he works in our lives. Praying all the time, all the ways. And with this in mind, it says, be alert and always keep on praying. Always. What would it look like if in the coming year, we as the people of OCC, each as individuals, developed our prayer muscles. If our prayer muscles got stronger, if, if prayer came as naturally to us as eating or breathing, and we're praying all the time, all the ways, 
for whatever the occasion and the moment necessitated. What if we were regularly going to God, not just telling him what we want from him, like he's some cosmic Santa, but actually going to him to meet with him and spend time with him and build relationship with him and allow him to tell us what he wants from us and for us and in us and giving him space in our lives? What if we all interact with him? You know, the Bible is where we see the preferred picture of who we should be becoming. Prayer is where we agree with God on that picture. And we invite him to do a work in our lives so that our lives might match up with what we read in his word for who he would have us to be. Now for that to happen, we gotta acknowledge that sometimes there's stuff in our lives that doesn't match up. And so the next color on the spiritual palette is repentance. We gotta allow God to do some painting with some repentance in our lives. And actually that's the color we need to come to him with. We, we kinda own that one. We need to give God some space to work because repentance is where we acknowledge that there are areas of our lives that are out of tune with who God is where we've made some gross colors and we need God to do a little bit more cleaning up. You know, one of Bob Ross's most famous sayings, there is no mistake. If you know his next statement, go ahead and say it with me. There's no mistake in painting. There's just happy accidents, right? Some of you all know that, right? Happy accidents. That is great when you're painting on a canvas. That is terrible advice in life. <laughs> we screw up. We have made mistakes. Every single one of us in here has made more than one mistake in our life. Some of us have made some big blunderous mistakes. And we still feel the pain. We still have some regret from it. You know, I mean, mistake is what happens in life. Now, that doesn't mean that's the end of the story, right? Did you know that before Bob Ross was our art mentor on PBS. He was a drill instructor for the U.S. Marines. And as such, his job was to tear people down. He was a pretty mean dude. He he was the angry, yell-in-your-face, tear-you-apart kind of person. And that got to him. He didn't really like that. Later in life, he regretted how he had treated many people. But what I love about Bob is that he realized that his past did not have to limit who he could become, what could become of his future. You know, friend, our God is the creator of every sunset and every sunrise. Our God is the one who wants to use his forgiveness and grace to paint over your past and to paint a new future for you. Bob Ross was a master at turning mistakes on a canvas into something beautiful. Accidentally putting the wrong paint color in a spot or accidentally putting something in a place, and then turning it into something grand and gorgeous, creating a landscape that was inviting. Our God is the master at turning the mistakes of our lives into something beautiful. Our God is the one who will take the manure pile of our mistakes and use it as fertilizer for flowers and to grow up something beautiful. So while mistakes do happen in life, that doesn't have to be the end of your story. But we gotta give God a canvas of repentance and allow his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness to shade in those areas of our lives. And that is a key spiritual practice that we need to practice on the regular. I like how James, the half-brother of Jesus, said this. He says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Confess your sins. That's a repentant attitude. 
says the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. And what we see here is that none of the colors exist really in isolation from one another. When we're talking about the palette God uses to shape our lives spiritually, it's just like a palette an artist would use. You swirl some different colors together, confess your sins to each other. There's community bound up in this. You're not doing an isolation and pray. So God's word comes into this because this is where we read it. It's in God's word and we're told we need to pray. So you have the spiritual habit of prayer and God's word and gathering with others and it's all swirled up to make some new colors and that's how this life works. And that leads us to the next color on the palette of gathering or to gather with one another. The author of Hebrews tells us, let us, oh, go back to real quick. One before that, author of Hebrews. There we go. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of God's return is drawing near. Let's not stop meeting together. God's desire is that we would meet regularly in large gatherings and small. That's the picture we have in the New Testament. Meeting in spaces like this and then meeting in homes and meeting together in coffee shops and meeting one-on-one and in small groups and as a church. And we gather together and we meet together. And when we meet, we praise and we pray and we read and we study and we learn and we hear and we apply and we hold each other accountable to it. That that's God's picture for us. One of the environments we're going to give you to do that in, and this year, is called Rooted. And you're going to hear a little bit more about Rooted a little bit later in this service. But we're launching Rooted this month. It's a place for you to gather with other people in a small group experience. And it's not totally different from other things you've done, but it is different in some ways. That it's not just informational, it is practical. Putting into practice regularly what we engage with and learning to apply it in an environment that helps us connect with one another and connect with our purpose and connect with our God and connect with our church. So if you're not in a group, and even if you are, I encourage you to do it. I'm going to be part of it. I encourage you to be part of it. I want you to join with me in going through Rooted. We're going to launch it three times during 2022, but I would love to see most of us do it early on. We're going to launch it later this month. And at the end of the year, I hope that everyone who's part of this church has participated in Rooted. For some of you, it'll feel a little bit more basic, but it'll be kind of a refresher with some good experience for you. For some of you, it'll be eye-opening. But for all of us, it'll be good and worthwhile. And there is a slight cost. We've done our best to keep that cost down. Listen, if the cost is what's going to keep you from doing it, you just let me know. And we'll not let anybody else know. You just let me know, and we'll work that out. Because I don't want anything to stand in your way. We want you to participate in it. You know, during the COVID quarantine, if we go back to that scripture from Hebrews, uh, a couple slides back, let's not neglect our meeting together. You heard us say when the, we had to stop meeting at the beginning of COVID, that the church is not a building, it's a people. And that's totally true. And you've heard me say this recently. But the church is a people gathered. That's what the church means. It's ecclesia is the Greek word, if you want a geeky Greek word for yourself, ecclesia. And it means the gathered. And so we are to gather together. Now, church, I am so excited that we have an online option for you. For when you're traveling, for when you're sick, when you're quarantined, when you just have one of those days where you're getting out of bed, it's really, really tough. And I'm glad for some of you who are shut-ins and have health concerns, and this is the only way you can join us. And some of you, you're brand new to us, and you're joining us right now online, and this is your first time, and we love that you're here. 
And some of you, you need to hang out there for a while before we earn your trust for you to join us in the building. But some of you, some of you, you've been neglectful. You got out of the habit of going to church. And it's time to get back into the habit of gathering with your brothers and sisters. And that doesn't happen on a couch. For those of you who are able, it's time to come home. It's time to come back. You know, church, the applause means we want you here. Listen, I'm going I'm to translate the applause for you. If you're online, you haven't been here for a while, that means we miss you. We just want to see your face again, man. So come on back. Now, listen, I also want to help us understand what the gathering is all about, right? And I'm just going to give us a little snapshot. The gathering is never in scripture intended to be a holy huddle where God's people retreat from the world, gather up together, say it's evil out there, it's happy in here, let's shut it all out. The gathering is always intended to mobilize God's people for mission. Always, that's what it's about. It's always intended for that. So that means that we will engage with the mission of God. That's why we gather. And we will charge the darkness to bring light to a desperate hurting world. That's why we gather is to train and equip one another to go out and engage the world, not to retreat from the world. And that is the thing that brings God the most glory. So to that end, we'll add a little more paint on this spiritual canvas. Peter, one of Jesus, let's go back to that previous verse. Peter, one of Jesus' best friends, tells us that we should use whatever gift we have received to serve others. Whatever gift we've received to serve others. So serving is the next piece of the picture, right? Serving is the next piece of the picture. And we should all serve one another. And we should serve here, we should serve outside of here. You know, one of the greatest catalysts for spiritual growth in your life and my life is when we serve one another. And so that's part of what we do. When we gather, we gather to serve and we gather to celebrate who God is. And what would it look like if this year... If serving wasn't just an event that happened once in a while as a church or just that one thing you did as a one-off, but what if serving became the natural routine of our lives where we lived as servants regularly? That, That we give God our first and best with our calendar and we put the times for serving first. And we we mark those moments and we say, This is This is when I've got an immovable obligation because this is when God and I and a few others from church are gonna go love on some people. And we look for it when it comes up. You know, we we, we always wanna be available on those times when the opportunity arises. But too many of us use that language of when the opportunity arises to mean that's the only opportunity I'm gonna make. And a lot of times we miss those opportunities because we're so busy with everything else we've already obligated ourselves to. So what if we decided to serve more regularly, more intentionally. Church, we have a world that is desperate, desperate for us to serve. They are desperate for the hope that we alone have as God's people. A couple months ago, a leader in one of our area high schools reached out to me, begging me to send people from our church to the school. I want you to catch what's going on here. A school, a civic government organization called the church and asked for the lead minister of the church to meet with them because they're desperate for the church to impact the school. 
Do you see what's happening in our world? That this world is so broken and so hungry, they're now begging us, please come in. We need mentors. We need influencers. We need what you have. We have students who don't have people that care about them. We have students who just need somebody to, to tell them that they're loved, to tell them that they matter, to help them figure out their math and to figure out their history, but way beyond that, just to figure out that they mean something to someone. So you know what I told the school? Of course, right? Of course we're going to do this. And so later this month, you're going to hear about an initiative that we are rolling out this year to partner with a couple of our area schools to get more involved and more intentional with the kids who are most in need, who are desperate for hope and desperate for healing, kids whose lives are broken and hurting and a wreck. And I'm going to lean on you to be the people who step up to serve, especially those of you whose schedules are a little more flexible. We're going to need you. And listen, there is no one who is too old to be part of this. Don't think that if you got gray hair or no hair, that it disqualifies you. Those kids will love you. They just want to know they matter to somebody. They need the wisdom that you have. And so we're going to partner with the schools. We've got another partnership we're rolling out. You're going to hear about it. If you want in on the ground floor, you want information before that, you just call the church office. You call, ask to speak to my Administrative assistant, her name is Jenny Krukar. We'll connect you and we'll get you on the list. And when the time comes, we'll have you in the info meeting. But I, church, I hope that we will respond because the world is desperate for what we need. And I pray that we will be a people who are generous with our time and our efforts and everything we have to serve. And as we talk about generosity, I pray that we're people who are just generous with everything we have. Generous with our time, generous with our talent, generous also with our finances. That being a generous people, we'll give God our first and best. We'll give him the first and best of our day as we meet with him in his word and a prayer. We'll give him the first and best of our calendar as we meet with the world to serve them. And we'll give him the first and best of what we have to offer. You know, we just wrapped up 2021 with a pretty fantastic offering last week. It was pretty incredible. Like $126,000 in a week. Church, that's what we're celebrating. And I'm not sure that's even the final but I let you know what happens, and this is in no way to demean anything because I am so grateful. I can't express my gratitude enough for all of you who gave generously your year in giving. But here's what often happens in the church and with many parachurch ministries and charities. There's a huge push at the end of the year. There's a lot of end of year giving, and then we get to January, and everybody feels like they've already given it away. And so January, the first week, first few weeks, is like, plummets. So we end a year really strong so that we can start the next year really weak. Let me tell you, God's word gives us a different picture. It says, bring your first fruits, not your leftovers. Church, what would it look like if our January was as stronger, stronger than our December? I tell you, it'd look really hopeful. It would look really awesome. If we could begin the year as strong as we end a year. If we brought God our first and our best in all of our trust and we said, God, I just gave... And I'm giving again, and I don't know what this year holds. I mean, COVID is a mess, that alone. I don't know what the world holds, politics and everything else was, but I know that you hold the world. And so God, here it is, first and foremost, I'm gonna give and I'm gonna trust big. Church, I pray that that's the kind of people we are. I pray that that's the kind of faith we have. And I pray that we're not just generous with our time and our efforts, but I pray that we're generous with the hope that we have. You know, Jesus invites all of us to come and follow. Says, come follow me. 
I pray that we would be generous with the hope we have, inviting others to join us as we follow Jesus, following him where he leads us, sharing our stories of what God has done and is doing in our lives, in our families, in our homes, in our church, inviting people to join us in our living rooms, at our tables, in our backyards, at the coffee shop, to join us at the church, to join us at the gym, to join us at the movies. It's a really easy invite right there. I pray that we are people who are all the time inviting. You know, one of the best ways to grow your faith is to give it to somebody else. Billy Graham said that a faith that is not shared is a faith that's not growing. You want to grow your faith, give it away. And for some of you, this is a pretty novel thing. I mean, you've already got the paint on the palette and you've allowed God to paint some pretty beautiful strokes with your life. But maybe the one thing we all need to increase is giving it away. If we go back to the prayer that Paul prayed for us in Ephesians, prayed for the Ephesian church, Ephesians 3, 21, said to him, be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. All generations. You know, the only way for the next generation to know is for us to give it to them. The only way for them to give glory to God is for us to teach them how. And if you're one of those people who gets upset about well, those younger generations, the ownership is on us. If they're going to change, then we, we've got to help them. We've got to go to them. And if we are frustrated because they just won't listen, then maybe that means we need to change our approach and we need to speak in ways they can hear it. It's on us to go to the next generation. It's incumbent upon us. And again, you're never too old. You're never too stuffy. You're never retired from the mission. All of us need to stay engaged and to give it away. And as we do that, I think we will have plenty of room for celebration. You know, this is the happiest color. This is the happy yellow that Bob Ross would talk about. The sweet sunshine of celebration. And we will celebrate as a church more and more and more. And we need to celebrate in our lives every act of generosity, every selfless serving of somebody else, every time somebody makes a decision for Jesus, every choice somebody makes to put themselves second and God first. And we need to celebrate big and we'll keep on celebrating because that's the fun part is as God continues to move in us and in our midst, we want to celebrate who he is and what he's doing. And really, it's all for him. If we go back to the prayer Paul prayed, this is now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is work at work within us. To him be glory. To him be the glory. To God be the glory. That's why we do everything we do here at OCC, that he would get all the praise and all the honor and all the glory because he alone deserves it, church. And when that happens, we get a whole lot of joy and we get a whole lot of peace because he's got us. So to that end, may I ask, what will you allow God to do with your canvas in this coming year and the years to fall? What picture will you allow him to paint in your life. Let's pray. God, we pray as Paul did. We pray that out of your glorious riches, God, that you would strengthen us with your power through your spirit and in our inner beings, God. 
And we pray this so that Christ would be dwelling in our hearts and that our faith would be increasing. God, we pray that that we would be rooted and established in your love. God, that your love would be known more and more and more. We know we can never know fully how much you love us. We know we can never know fully how great you are. But God, we want to know it more and more and more. And we want to try to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is your love for us, Jesus. And we want to know this love, a love that surpasses being known, God. We want to know it more and more so that we may be filled with the whole measure of who you are, God. God, fill our lives up, the life of everyone here. God, may it be filled to the measure of who you are. And God, may this church be filled up with who you are, filled with your spirit and filled with your life and filled with your grace and filled with your mercy and filled with your love. And may we just overflow that to the world around us, Lord. And God, we pray this knowing that we are praying to the God who can do more than we ask and more than we imagine. And God, we confess today that we ask too small. And that our dreams are too small for a God as big as you. So God, grow our imagination, grow our dreams, grow our vision for who you would have us become as your your people, individually and collectively as your church. And God, we pray this, that you would have all the glory in our lives and in your church and in your son Jesus for now and forever and in every generation, God, that you and you alone would get the glory. Now and forever and ever and ever to God be the glory we pray. And all God's people pray. Amen and amen. Amen.